0: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Glad Chad Podcast. I'm Jordan Pacheco. And I'm Rudy Carlos. How, whoa, Rudy Carlos, not Rodolfo Carlos. What are you doing to me tonight? Less formal. (laughs) (laughs) I was re-watching our um, Guadalupe radio interview, and halfway through, um, our host switched to calling you Rudy after introducing you as Rodolfo, so clearly they were becoming uh, quite friendly (laughs) with us.
1: Yep, yep. How you been, Jordy?
0: Dude, I've been, I've been great. We're T-minus 25, 24 days right now, and so we are finishing up the very last of our wedding arrangements. You're going to be out here very soon, which I'm very excited about to see everybody, mm-hmm. and then to immediately ditch y'all for my honeymoon, so it's, it's time. <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, how are you, been?
1: Good, good. Everything's great. Uh, you know, just kind of doing the same old thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we're in the last trimester, so... Uh, uh what ashley's due in july wow and uh yeah everything's looking really good it's lining up so I'm what excited
0: if, what if your daughter is born on the 4th of july and then you have to show her <laughs> that movie every year on her on her birthday
1: yeah if she's uh, born on the 4th of july uh i don't know what's well, more important just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. The It is the most important of all the uh, holy days of obligation, as you know, in this country. So before we begin, I think we have a really, really exciting announcement. And I hope that our audience likes it because we've been getting some queries about it. But Rudy and I, long ago when we started this thing off with Little Dream, had a magic number that we wanted to get to on YouTube. And we said that if there was good enough feedback, if it was very positive, and if we had a decent enough subscriber count that we would actually start, uh, monetizing this a little bit more. Obviously until we had a thousand subscribers, we can't monetize uh, via ads or anything like that on YouTube. We're not quite deciding if we want to or not just kind of depends on things. We don't really want to break up the podcast. Right. Um, but, uh, we have crossed over 600 subscribers on YouTube. And of course that's not counting our Our listeners and the people who are our fans or people who like us and support us across the different podcasting sort of platforms that we have as well. So a tremendous thank you to each and every one of you, you who are new subscribers, and some of you, and many of them comment, as you know, who've been there since the beginning. Um, This has been such a wild roller coaster. And uh, Rudy and I both started this and we continue doing this because we love the Lord and we love the traditional Latin Mass and the return of Catholic traditionalism. Uh, and many of you have responded so positively to that. So if you look below now, you'll notice that the glad Chad podcast has a Patreon, which means that we are selling out before we sell out. (laughs) 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 So if you, if you uh, like our work and would like to continue to support us first and foremost, the most important thing you can do is keep us in your prayers. And uh, if you'd like to take that uh, a step in a different direction, uh, financial support would be much appreciated. We are having, uh, we're tweaking and we're coming through with a couple of really cool perks that will include early access to episodes. There'll be a special monthly uh, episode for Patreon subscribers only. And then you can also suggest episodes that we can do. And uh, we really want you guys involved in that sort of process. As you can see, there's a lot of different topics. International Catholicism, both the fun stuff and the serious stuff that we go through so um you know if you that's the uh
1: i think that's the one i'm looking forward to the most is, uh-huh. uh, your suggestions for episodes
0: that would be really cool it's it's a great uh, idea until it isn't so i want to say that it is at the discretion of us
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah please give us some some good topics don't don't throw us
0: of the bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and many, and many people do already. So even if you're not a, a Patreon subscriber, we always want to hear your comments and we always want to hear your feedback. We wouldn't actually be able to even start a Patreon to do something like this unless uh, you guys were involved already. So we're really, really grateful. So if there is an idea that you have, even if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, we're always listening. Um, many people, Rudy, have reached out to us on Instagram as well as, of course, in our comment section. So we are really, really grateful and excited for this one
1: yeah absolutely we we definitely see you guys uh engaging on our our videos and uh we we appreciate it we really do
0: we very much do you know one thing that's really nice about how when we started this podcast rudy is we were talking about kind of what angle we wanted to go at and both of us are really joyous kind of trads you know it's not like a persona we're putting on um and that's also allowed us to wade in through different conversations between traditional catholicism and and schismatics and And boomers and all that kind of fun (laughs) stuff, you know. And so some of our reactions have been actually like, wow, thank you guys, because, you know, sometimes you turn on different Catholic channels and they can be more on the negative side. And then other times you turn on Catholic channels and it's like, you know, they pretend that everything's just wonderful and joyous. And for us, it's like there's a reason for the joy, which is really, really thanks to you guys for for really picking up on that. So. If you like what you see, if you like to continue to support us, please pray for us. And uh, if you are so motivated, go ahead and check out our Patreon tiers. We would love to have you along. We don't have really like a snazzy name or anything for our people because we're not we're not those kind of YouTubers, are we? We're not th- we're not that hip.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not full grift mode yet. Right. So, uh, Join we the. We haven't decided
0: crazy. yet. No, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, dude. So. You know, with the wedding coming up, and especially with all the growth we've seen this year, we've done videos on the growth of traditional Latin Mass. There is an article on, I want to say it's 1 Peter 5. Maybe you've seen this, Rudy, where it charted not just like the growth of Latin Mass parishes and attendance, but it started actually charting, mapping Latin Mass weddings. Did you see that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. I think they uh, talked with... um... Uh, 1962 bride which 1962 is really cool bride. account i think mm-hmm. we've mentioned it before but if you haven't heard of it it's a really awesome account on instagram that showcases all of the latin mass weddings that are taking place uh you know in in our current time so uh they they always showcase really awesome weddings it's like it's like they have really good photographers doing all of these so you were you featured on there too, like, weren't you? yeah yeah <laughs> i was Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Ashley submitted our photos. You can, you can submit them if you've uh, recently gotten married. So if you want to do that, that's awesome because it really, um, it really reaches out to a lot of people and, uh, and uh, more people consider the Latin mass, which is really awesome. Obviously there's a little bit of um, there's problems when you, when you go to the Latin mass wedding and Mm -hmm. um, I experienced that in my family, you know, there's always a little bit of pushback. Right. Uh, to do that but anyway back to the article
0: yeah it's uh, so it's just it just it charts as you said like you know the, the different marriages and where they're happening so um, if you want to follow along 1962 on Instagram 1962 bride on Instagram absolutely wonderful Uh, Rudy's of course are up there your pictures are stellar by the way and oh, there are you. places it's not just in the states and I think that's really important for us who are traditionalists and are like well I feel like is this like the only community am I just part of this like weird cultish rad trad kind of group in the middle of Kansas. The answer is no, people are having a lot mass. And the most important thing, which is why marriages are so important, is because this charts how the growth is gonna happen with the mass. You have a lot of Catholics coming in from the Norvis Ordo who've never experienced tradition and beauty like this before. You have a lot of converts mm-hmm. coming in, but you, know, you also have the fact that the Latin mass is able to self replenish its own numbers just by the virtue of children. Um, liturgy guy which is a blog i like to follow is really good about charting um how trads just for whatever reason and i think we can name a bajillion but for whatever reason trads tend to have more children and their children tend to stay in the faith and so on and so forth it's not rocket science it's not surprising it's just god working through his church and so it's kind of exciting seeing marriages are happening in brazil and in the philippines as well as here in the states and in canada and in the united kingdom and and in central europe and so this is just a really exciting time, I think, to understand the global aspect of the church and especially the tradition of the church. So because we have all this newness going on with a lot of people, Rudy and I wanted to actually take a step back from what we're doing and maybe speak to people who are new to Latin Mass, who for one circumstance or another uh, have found themselves in Latin Mass and are completely, totally lost as we were a few years ago, huh? <laughs> Yeah.
1: Do you remember, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but what was your first Latin
0: mass? Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's tell. Okay. So uh, do you want to start?
1: No, no, no. You tell Okay. Me.
0: Sure. Oh, that's very kind of you. Okay. So I went to Our Lady of Mount Carmel before it was completely renovated as we see it now back in late high school for a couple of times. And also like throughout my two years of college, a couple of times, I don't really have a lot of, memory from it. I remember going to a low mass with a friend of mine and being completely lost. So what I usually tell my first Latin math experience, technically speaking, it was back in late high school, early college. Um, I liked it. I, I didn't understand it, but I knew I liked it. But I didn't, I wasn't quite at a place in my life where it was such a a wellspring as it is now. So what I really say is the, the time I really fell in love with the Latin math, instead of having this really great reverence and respect for it, happened at this point now, three years ago, three going on four years ago. And, um, you know, I was going to the Novus Ordo Parish right down the road. And, you know, there were a lot of things there that I was very happy with, but I was finding myself not being fed. There's a a Lighthouse Catholic Media talk, I think it's Jeff Cavins or Calvin's, uh, and it's called I'm Not Being Fed. And so that phrase kept circulating in my mind. And it was after I had I was working on Sunday because I was a I was a, a bad boy then so I was going to Saturday night mass, and I remember that the priest was doing a, a um <laughs> the, the arch the archbishop's appeal you know, and right. I, you know I, I hate priests don't like it when they have to do the homily this one was almost enjoying it which I didn't like very much and he was just getting up there and just talking and pitching this peel appeal, appeal, and I remember going you know i really am trying to pray and do the right thing here but there's just things in this parish that like it's hard for me it's hard for me when i look at the music and in california a lot of parishes don't kneel uh during the uh it's the it's not the they they kneel during the the major consecration but is it the yeah. minor consecration they don't kneel at right um yeah yeah and i was like trying to remember back right if you're if you're in the north <laughs> or in california you can different. tell us right yeah. so but you just just stuff was kind of really bearing on my soul. And I was, I was, you know, this young man in Los Angeles and I needed real serious grounding. And I got some of it, don't get me wrong, but I wanted more. And so, you know, after that homily, it was not good. And I remember the priest, there's one thing the priest said, and that was like my I'm done moment. And he leaned in and he said, can I tell you a secret during his homily? Can I tell you a secret? And all these people on the people in the pew's like, well, what is it, Father? And I was like, I knew what he was going to say. I was like, don't you do it. And he goes, did you know? that we have never had a year where we've reached our goal for the archbishop's appeal. And I went, I am done. (laughs) So I got in my car and the next Sunday I Googled Latin mass near me. God had kind of spoken to me in that moment and said, try, try this instead, my son. So I found St. Victor's where the fraternity of St. Peter in Los Angeles was essentially borrowing. Um, it was a 7 PM Latin mass. In West Hollywood, (laughs) which is ironically good because West Hollywood is the sodomy capital of the states. So uh, in in kind of God's human providence, I I thought it was very rich that, that, you know, it's a a decent looking parish. But one of the latest masses of Sunday you can possibly get, of course, was this little corner part of the world for the Latin Mass. And so I went (laughs) and I sat in the pews and Mass began. It was a high mass, of course. And I heard an asparagus. And it must have been the first disparages I ever heard coming from the choir loft. And as a priest uh, did the, inc- the, you know, the intone and he comes down, you know, with the hyssop well, or with the, the, the baptismal kind of mallet looking thing. I don't know what it's actually called. Uh, <laughs> poor sinner <laughs> that I am. Uh, but I just I just started weeping. Baptist and it was the most mallet. I know people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, you guys are fake. <laughs> um, man, I started crying, though. I had never seen something so beautiful and I had been to Mass at Carmel, so I know that I had seen it, but I'd never registered quite truly what the Latin Mass was and I I never went back, you know, not if I could help it. So Wow, so you were you were crying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean a man it was...
1: a man crying. In that city, you're in the right place for it.
0: Oh my gosh. And West Hollywood. I know people are like, Oh, come here, Sailor. No. Um, oh, just
1: kidding. You no. Know, but
0: that was it, you know. And I think that, that that's very telling of the power uh, that, that that Christ has through the Latin mass, you know. It's like I don't consider I'm you know, I I'm I kinda you know, I consider myself in tune with my emotions. I think emotions are important for a man. But yeah. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't had a moment like that in mass in a very long time where I just felt so wretched and mm. And I was so just awestruck by the power of God. And I remember just feeling the Holy Spirit really genuinely at the point of the consecration and I, not understanding anything, just not understanding anything, but wanting what was up there on the altar, which was Jesus so radically, so richly, and, and so differently than how to experience as a Catholic.
1: Right. So you went in there. Um, was it purposeful that, that maybe you, you weren't aware or, or you weren't trying to follow along with a missile? I yeah. remember. So you went, th- you went in there saying, "I'm not going to follow the missile. I'm just going to be present in the mass." And
0: we're definitely going to get to this because I know that you know from your first experience. But I, I tried, you know, and again, it wasn't the like very first rodeo, but it was one where I kind of, I kind of got things, but I didn't get everything. And I realized, so for my first three, four months of attending Latin Mass, honestly, like I would flip through the missile, but a lot of times I would really just listen and pray. And so that's mm. why like we're really big Harpers of conforming your life or conforming your prayers to what's happening on the altar, because your, your soul knows it's sacred, even if you don't understand every single word. And I, I think that the missile is so important, but right. sometimes you just need to be in the presence of God and it's not about, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So that was my first experience. What happened with you?
1: <laughs> you know what? I, <laughs> I, I was thinking about it just now and mm-hmm. I don't know if, I mentioned this before but the first time that i went to the latin mass was um it was out in saint therese of Lisieux in pasadena Oh, okay yeah and uh i i went there because i was trying to i was trying to impress this girl like <laughs> how long ago was this it must wow. have been like seven years ago or something wow. like okay. that and she was like have you ever been there and i said no i've never been to the latin mass she's like oh okay it's great and you know they she gave me the spiel that everybody does like okay well look you're gonna be lost Mm -hmm. this is how you follow along and sure enough i like got there late and uh like trying to figure out how to flip through the missile that was you know the the little missalette that they have in the the pew and i was just kind of frantic and i just you know at one point i was like you know what i'm not gonna I'm not mm-hmm. going to follow along. I'm just going to see what's going on, and uh, I think that was the advice that was given to me to just just kind of be there. Yeah. I think that's good advice too. Yeah. Like you're 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 going in to the Latin Mass. A lot of the people don't know anything about it, and uh, it's kind of funny. The other day, I was reading this this blog, um, Father Z's blog. If you yeah. don't know who Father Z is, uh, his name is Father Zoldorf. Zulsdorf. zulsdorf and he's a traditionalist priest and has a really excellent blog i follow him on twitter and he posted he posts all of his uh his blog posts you know as he writes them and somebody asked him he does like a q a thing somebody asked him um there's a group of people at my church my traditional latin mass church and uh, they're like holding hands during the Pater Noster and they're lifting up their arms and kind of doing, you know, like this okay. sort of like uh, Oran's posture <laughs> oh, <laughs> to no. certain parts of the mass. And I'm sure we'll get to it eventually in, in this podcast, but uh, there aren't any rubrics for for the lady in the yeah. Latin mass. So yeah, yeah. it's not like you can call that out and say, oh, that's that's terrible or yeah. don't do that. I mean, there are some things that you probably shouldn't do, but uh, it, it got us thinking because here at St. Vitus, and I think a lot of the traditional communities are experiencing the same thing. They're experiencing an influx of refugees mm. from the Novus Ordo yeah. because at the moment, uh, most of the Novus Ordos are closed. Uh, or they're doing really, really restrictive, uh, you know, uh, measures for mass attendance. So there's like tons and tons of new people coming into the church. And I actually experienced it myself here at St. Vitus, um, that there are people who who are doing that sort of thing, you know, like maybe thinking it's a dialogue mass, which uh, we'll talk about, yeah. uh, I'm sure. Um, but also lifting their arms and like holding hands, things that are traditionally,
0: uh, found
1: seen upon. <laughs> yeah, frowned upon and seen uh, outside of the Latin Mass. I just thought it was really funny because these these people are, are experiencing tradition for the first time, and they're bringing in a little bit of the things that uh, maybe don't fit within mm. there. So we thought maybe we would do something like oh, just like an intro to the Latin Mass if you've never been.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's kind of the the thing, you know. It's it's we're we're gonna try to make sure that. You know the Latin Mass I say and you say is the birthright of every Catholic, uh, yeah. and the Roman Rite. <laughs> it is. It really is our home, and it's so. It kind of is both frustrating and saddening sometimes. I think to feel like, for a lot of my family members who are coming out to see the Latin Mass for the first time for my wedding, they're Novus Ordo Catholics and, and very good ones generally, but this is going to be strange to them, and. It, it's frustrating because now we know so much of the history of the Novus Ordo and how it was developed that you would feel more at home at a Lutheran or a, a Presbyterian service than you would in the traditional Latin Mass as a Catholic growing up in the Novus Ordo. How That's just mm-hmm, sad. But it's so mm-hmm, true, though. Mm-hmm. And now that we know more of the history, like we've had friends we've gone to Latin Mass with and I ask, what's your reaction? And they're like, well, um, oh, it's so quiet or why is this happening or you know, I don't get this or why don't why isn't the lady having more participation or something like that and so <laughs> you know one thing to really remember is this um I, and one of my first tips is really this you have to understand that worship as the theology of worship is fundamentally different between maybe what you've experienced in the novus ordo and in the Latin Mass, or at least what you're what you you mentally have read, but you've seen differently, maybe in the Novus Ordo, is melded properly in the Latin Mass. By this I mean I mean this. The Latin Mass is not about you. And that's apparent. The humanistic elements that can creep into the Novus Ordo that have crept into the Novus Ordo that maybe were there from its inception. It's really hard to do that in a Latin Mass. The priest doesn't face you. He doesn't speak to you. He's talking to God. Your eyes are not on Father so-and-so doing his thing. They're not on the altar girls. They're not on the Eucharistic ministers. They're not on the lectors or anybody. Your eyes are glued to either the cross on the back of of Father's um, cassock or they're glued to the crucifix on the altar or to the tabernacle or to the crucifix that hangs above. Everywhere you look, or it's the statue of St. Joseph, or it's the statue of Our Lady. I mean, everywhere you look is a reminder of heaven. The philosophy of the mass, like the philosophy of good architecture, good sacred music, everything, is that this needs to be a piece of heaven brought down to earth because that is literally what radically happens. And so if you go and your reaction is, well, the mass isn't in a language I understand, and so therefore uh, it's inaccessible, it's fuddy-duddy, it's old, that's terrible— good, actually. It, it's not about you. And what a great way of approaching the Mass with reverence and humility if we just see the fact that, you know what, I'm not going to get everything. I'm not going to understand it.
1: I think it boils down to uh, a misunderstanding of, of the lady nowadays. Um, and it may not be completely their fault, but um, I, I think that there's a disconnect now between the lady understanding that the Mass is a sacrifice,
0: yeah. Right now. Yeah.
1: So if you go to um you know and you know we're not trying to demean the novice ordo too much. I I I don't not, like it. Not necessarily
0: uh, you know. Not unnecessarily.
1: Yeah. But there, there there are a lot of things baked into the new mass on purpose or not on purpose. I happen to think it's on purpose <laughs> that uh <laughs> that make it disconnect from this aspect of sacrifice yeah. that, that it is the unbloodied sacrifice of Christ mm-hmm. at Calvary every Sunday or not every Sunday, every mass. Yeah. And then it, that's very obvious at the Latin mass. Like you're, you're saying, everything is, is directed sort of like a, it has a hierarchy to that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but typically what we see nowadays in a, in a, in the new mass is that it is more of a show. It's a show of, you know, the priest entertaining the the lady, the priest is facing us. Right. Um, the lady oftentimes, uh, on purpose or not on purpose, uh, sort of try to put on a performance. Everybody's been to a, a, a new mass, right. Where a lector is reading something, and there's a dramatic pause. I mean, we joke about this all the time, right? Yeah. There's uh, yeah. There's, there's that dramatic pause after they're done reading.
0: And the God Lord. saw it was <laughs> good.
1: Or you see, or you see like a a woman lector, and then when there's a part in the scripture where God is speaking, you know, she puts on this thunderous voice. Oh, no. man, i like been getting like
0: PTSD from this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
1: Everything from the architecture, from the uh, the aspects of the new mass, like, like giving the lady positions of authority that mm-hmm. were typically given to a priest, all of those things disconnect you from the aspect that this, this mass is a holy sacrifice.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what it is, it's, they talk about this, right? Like the, the, the root word of liturgy and how it's been interpreted now is the work of the people. So mm-hmm. therefore, like, why wouldn't the people be part of it? But really, it's to be understood as work for the people. And one thing I want to pick up on what you said is, some people may say, "Well, sh- why why shouldn't the lady be more involved?" And the lady are involved in Latin Mass. It's not like, look, obviously, we're at the low masses that we mostly say. are um, our, our response is really just for the altar servers, and so we conform our. You know, uh, Saint Pius the Tenth talks about active participation in the mass. Well, how could this happen? This was in the early 1900s. It's because there is an act of participation, but we understand it differently. See, we've been told and it's been regurgitated that the mass is this. It's a communal banquet, right? You've heard that. It is the celebration, a liturgical Eucharistic celebration or any of these other things. And the word sacrifice in any sense has gone out to have said the holy sacrifice of the altar is such a trad phrase it feels like and it shouldn't be because this is what happens at every single mass where the bread and wine become the body blood soul and divinity of our lord and so it's really really important for people to understand that that the lady do have a role to play in the mass their prayers are not in vain it's not this neoclericalism that sprung out and the priest by the way is doing liturgy properly he is really doing work up there there's a lot of one of the most stark things you'll notice if you're new to Latin mass is man, the priest is doing a lot, you know, he's not just sitting down. It's like, he, he ha- he's changes his vestments. He sits down like a couple of times during the mass, but he is, he is all over the place, you know, and there's so many things. If you watch a low mass, especially, um, where you just don't know what he's saying over there and he's praying. I mean the entire mass is such a fervent prayer of Thanksgiving and all the other sorts of, of, of prayer to God. And it's wonderful to see. And so you get this real big sense of what a priest's vocation truly is, what the role of a priest ought to be, I think, fulfilled in the Latin Mass more so than in the Novus Ordo. Because you don't have to worry about a priest performing. And there are plenty of priests who have gone from, even if they don't celebrate the Latin Mass, they've gone to Ad Orientum, which means that, you know, they face to the east, not away from the people, but to the east, to the sun, to our Lord. Uh, And what's funny is they'll say, you know, the pressure of having to, perform even for good reverent pious priests is completely removed and so i'm really happy because here in colorado at least all the altars in the archdiocese of denver and i think also in the archdiocese of colorado springs um they have a crucifix on them even for for versus populum to the people and i think that's such a good reminder for the priest of essentially what ad Orientum already does Your focus is on Christ, not Susan from the parish council or Bethany in the choir. Well, I would say the choir loft, but really they're all to the side, aren't they? Um, And so if you recognize what's really going on in front of you, then I think it's going to be a lot more easier if this is your first time to really conform your prayers and conform your meditations and really actually bask in the silence of the mass. Uh, So, so important.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's also really liberating to take to take that stress of having it's like a sort of self-importance that you place on yourself. Um, I know that I've, I've had that before uh, going into the Latin mass uh, before going into the Latin mass. I mean, you know, you go in there and you're like, Oh, well I have to, I have to sing this part. I have to do Mm -hmm. this. I have to do that. You know, it's, it's um, it's really liberating to have that taken off of you because It's not that it's useless that, you know, that you would sing at a high mass or respond or anything like that, but the sort of participation that we're being called to is not as obvious as it seems. Mm -hmm. It's not as obvious as us responding. It's more of um, uniting our heart and our soul to this holy sacrifice that's taking place uniting our prayers to the to the priest who is offering the sacrifice for us it's amazing
0: so just back to to what the mass really is and what you'll really see in your first Latin mass this is really important to keep in mind this is from uh Pope Pius X this is in my missile which I know we'll get to the holy mass is a prayer itself even the highest prayer that exists it is the sacrifice dedicated by our redeemer at the cross and repeated every day on the altar If you wish to hear mass as it should be heard, you must follow with eye, heart, and mouth all that happens at the altar. Further, you must pray with the priest the holy words said by him in the name of Christ and which Christ says by him. You have to associate your heart with the holy feelings which are contained in these words and in the manner you ought to follow all that happens at the altar. When acting in this way, you have prayed holy mass. And I I love that, that ending idea, this you have, it's not that you've just witnessed the Mass, you've experienced the Mass, but you've prayed Holy Mass. And how how interesting it is to really ruminate and meditate on the fact that the Mass is not just a prayer, but it's the highest prayer that exists. This is the sacrifice which God himself, Christ in the flesh, has instituted, with the institution of the Eucharist, to bring us about salvation. And this is going to be the, or, this is going to be where most graces are by ordinary means of salvation through the sacraments are distributed to Catholics by, by the right of obligation. Um, So Rudy, what would you say maybe to someone who goes, okay, look, like I can completely get theologically why the Latin mass is important, but let me just take a step back. Why the Latin mass? What, what am I expected to kind of get out of this Latin mass that I wouldn't get out of, even if it's a decent Norvis ordo? Hmm.
1: That's a good question. And a pretty common objection that, uh, you may encounter um, as a traditionalist. I think the most important thing is that the Latin Mass points to a deeper reality of what our faith is. It gives us a window, and I'm I'm really hammering on the sacrifice aspect, but it really gives us a, a context of what that sacrifice is and how amazing it is when you go to a mass that is holy and reverent. If um, if you're unaware of it, you miss the fact that you are in the presence of Christ on the cross, that you're in the midst of so many holy angels. And of course, you know this is taking place in the Novus Ordo too, but the mass itself points to that reality. It's easier for you to grasp that this is taking place. And I think that reverence and, um, and that opportunity for real participation in the mass changes you. I mean, how, how could it not if you're mm. experiencing this, this holy sacrifice um, and you're leaving with the understanding that you just took part in something so great, really the greatest moment in history you know it, it changes you yeah and that's why you see such a different disposition in traditionalists. generally speaking obviously there are you go on twitter and you see you know all mm, kinds of the really, heat. Yeah. <laughs> like the worst polarizations of this is a, why I we have argument. a
0: defunct twitter by the way <laughs>
1: This is why I, I, uh, I have a Twitter account, uh, but I, you know, I have an alias, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to experience that, uh, anyway, in any, in any community, you know, there's always somebody who, uh, well, I, it's not just the community itself. I think it's Twitter. I think yeah. Know, I
0: mean, I think it's a virtue. But it's very the, polarized. But you know, but there's something here. I want I want to harken back to something you said earlier, which is that there's no rubrics for the laity in regards to Latin Mass. Right. That's that's really interesting because again, coming from a background where we feel like active participation in the in the setting of the novice order means oh, if I'm not saying something or standing here doing something, like I'm letting down the team such that's an important bad. emphasis in Latin mass. If you want to kneel throughout the entirety of the mass, no one's going to bother you. No one's going to be like, well, that's freaking weird. Uh, we have to remember the kind of the stereotypical complaint uh, at the time of the changes was, well, there are just these old ladies who all felt the mass sit around with their Rosarios and that's all they do. And it's like, wow, that was the worst complaint. Ro- More rosaries in the world. <laughs> um, well, that,
1: that's, that's another thing too, that, that, that is, um, interesting that that was a complaint at the time right oh these mm-hmm. ladies are just sitting there praying a rosary it's the same sort of complaint that people have about uh a religious vocation like well you know like uh, i i was watching uh uh restoring the faith this mm-hmm. was the podcast yeah good and guys and they were talking to brother navarro i think that was his name and uh, he mentioned that whenever he introduces himself to people they think oh he's a priest and Mm -hmm. when he tells them that he's a brother people are let down because it's like oh they think that that would be useless um when in reality that has a very specific uh part in the church that we seldom have nowadays because of the destruction of 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 that of the orders Mm -hmm. but um i don't know that just reminded me of that
0: you know, it's funny that you talk about with the destruction, too, because I think that for people who are new to a lot in mass, they might be really surprised about the detailed regimentation of things. And even for you and me who have been attending for for a couple to a few years now, there's so many things to uncover that I just don't understand. And especially oh, yeah. from our background, learn something like, new every day. Yeah. Yeah. You learn something new every day. You know, it's like why this is a very simple one. Right. When the priest does the elevation. You know, he he does it with his thumb and his index finger. So you know, he lifts the host. You'll see this with priests in Nova Soto sometimes, but you know, he lift with the host and then with the chalice. Uh, <laughs> this is this is my closest approximation, right? But he, you know, he lifts it with the uh, <laughs> with with his thumb and his index finger, uh, not being used, and in fact, he won't use them again, except in the distribution of Holy Communion until he's he's washed his hands, right? His, his, which is called the ablutions yeah. which is called the ablutions yes and and it's so and you're like okay well that's well, that's interesting you know it's a ve- it's very it's Im- imagery wise it's very powerful why does he do that and it's just reinforcing again if this really is a body blood soul and divinity of our lord and this is and the priests whose hands are consecrated are the only ones who can touch it he wants to touch them with as little of the human element as he can right the human element brush against that divinity of our lord um and so he and he won't. And if we really believe that in every single particle is our Lord, why would he want to even even consider anything that may get a particle in any place that it doesn't belong? Oop! See, knocked over my <laughs> my my, <laughs> uh, my, my pee So, uh, and it's funny because what a contrast to a, the lay, the Eucharistic, the extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, right? what a contrast mm-hmm. to how the eucharist is is treated in a lot of in a lot of masses in the novus ordo and another just reinforcement of oh this is something that's not just it's the most profound it's it's the most sacred it really is our lord which is not surprising why unfortunately 3 fourths of catholics nominal catholics do not believe in the real presence but amongst I've been amongst thinking two- about that a lot mhm mhm
1: I've been thinking about that a lot because what are we to expect if we have lost a sense of the sacredness where anyone can just go up and touch our blessed lord with their hands and like um uh, bishop athanasius schneider says take him and receive him as if it were a common meal yeah i mean this is this is a consequence of so many years almost we're going on to 60 years now of Mm -hmm. you know people just receiving on the hand and uh, how, how are we supposed to be surprised that uh, three-fourths, is it just American Catholics or is it the world? I'm sure it's even worse like, You know
0: now. I bet, you know. I, I don't know if it's, I think it was American Catholics surveyed for that particular one. I bet you that means it skews worse in Europe and better in Africa and Asia, right? Or anything right. like that. I don't know. Um, all I know is that traditionalists, of course, get uh, extraordinarily high marks in the belief of the real presence. That's not a, very much a surprise. Um mm-hmm. And it's just again, it's just it's all reinforcement. It's look at look at the, the Eucharistic prayer. So I found out, Rudy, uh, that there are actually 15 Eucharistic prayers. Did you know about this?
1: Yeah, and they want to add more.
0: They want to add more. I thought that there was only like the three or whatever, but it turns out <laughs> well the Latin mass is only the one, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. um but if you go through the Eucharistic prayer, um it is so reinforcing. In in the Novus Ordo, it's like two minutes and you're done. Um, usually Eucharistic prayer number three, uh, you know, the, the short one. And in the Latin Mass, it's it's what you would see as Eucharistic prayer number one. Uh, and But it's so profound. And the invocation of so many saints and yeah. and and stretching from like the profundity of the priesthood of Melchizedek up through the angels, up through Our Lady and, and St. Joseph and so many other saints, heroic witnesses of the faith, early popes, I mean, martyrs, you name it. And it's just like wow, you really get that this is the moment trying to be reinforced that heaven and earth are literally meeting here, like yeah. this is no longer just bread and wine. And if you recognize that, then the the deep profundity that that really carries, you know, I mean, how could you go back? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think as up so far up to this point, I think we've described what your disposition should be for the first time you go there. Mm-hmm. But for somebody who is re- returning, what do you think would be good advice? You know, like, w- do you think maybe it would be good, like pick up a missile?
0: Ah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, just to make sure everyone's clear first time a lot in mass, don't, don't touch the booklets. Just, yeah, you're gonna just get lost. Experience. You're gonna get lost. And the point of mass is this. Like even as as Trads here, like we shouldn't be so technical sometimes. You mm. know, like the entire point of the mass is I, I had a I had another traditional buddy of mine said this, and it was like, look, like the mass is is can be a tool for evangelization, but that should not be like just like the main catechesis of a Catholic. It is so incumbent upon us to to have that mass as a source in the summit but to always be studying the Bible and sacred texts and church history and meditations and all these other things surrounding the great profundity of the mass, you know? So for most Catholics, of course, like this is the only prayer. This is the only time they really encounter God in a week outside of a quick grace, you know, and that's not how we're actually supposed to live. Like the Lord's day is set apart, especially for that, but that doesn't mean the other days are just do whatever the heck you want. Um, So just really want to emphasize that. So your first mass, it's okay to be lost it's just let it wash over you just really pray you know just re- and for the first time in your life maybe it's going to be even even a high mass which has a lot of sound it doesn't have a lot of noise and there's a difference between sound and noise and for the low mass the silence might be deafening because so many of our masses that we've seen growing up are all about noise you have to be doing something give them the old razzle dazzle Otherwise, they'll get bored, right? Oh, my gosh, Latin Mass is so boring. All this kind of crap. It's like, no. <laughs> For those who are returning, so, Rudy, uh, I know that you and I have our missiles. I think that it would be time to really start delving into what the priest is saying and where you are and just kind of getting a sense. Because I think you'll discover, uh, especially after your first or couple of times, that actually, you inherently kind of know where you are. It's not like this is just a complete fish-out-of-water experience. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't say necessarily like your second time around, unless you're really going to dive in deep. A lot of churches have booklets, missalettes. Oftentimes are these really wonderful, this red missalettes with the readings of the day stuck inside on a sleeve. Or they have um, the, the the Campion Missal, which uh, has pictures and things like that are really, really helpful. The missile also has pictures, like illustrations, And it tells you like, kneel, stand. This is why. This is what the priest is doing. Um, Rudy, you and I both have missiles. We have different missiles, but they're both uh, with the Roman missile of 1962, uber important. 1962 is the date you want, 1962 or before. But in most masses, it's going to be using uh, the 1962 uh, code for the Latin mass. And, um, you know, this has, as you can see in mind, this is the Baronius Press missile. So it's like daily missile liturgical with vespers and Sundays and feasts. Uh, edition typica of the Roman Missile Breviary 1962. And so you'll see all these colorful tabs and stuff. And so they
1: I'm actually gonna shill something different. Oh yeah, I, yes, of course. what you got? you use the um oh yeah, watch the Let me see if I can get oh, it. Oh, one focus. of these father
0: laissants, guys. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> New Roman missile. Something that you said, Jordan, that was really important is um to look for a 1962 missile. Because 1962 was the last year that there was any major update to the latin mass mm-hmm. and so most of the time um well, almost all of the time depending on where you go or if it's uh, maybe it'll be a different holy week which we'll which we'll get into um most of the latin mass um, texts are from 1962, yeah. but I actually use a, a different missile, which is the, uh, the new Roman missile, uh, father Lassance missile. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked this because I liked the extra prayers in the back of the book that, that are really cool. A nice little supplement for mass, Holy mass, or just to add to your, your prayer your prayers. Um, but this is actually a reprint of a 19. 19- 55 version I believe for might be a pre-55 version mm-hmm. and the reason why this is important is because oh this is from 1945 okay uh, the reason this is important for me is that um, it contains the holy Week before one of the major changes uh, to the liturgy uh, that happened in 1955 and it started with Holy Week um, there was a priest uh, Bugnini um. who um, uh, was one of the pioneers of the changing of the mass and um, so I like to distance myself as much as I can from Bugnini, mm-hmm. and um, certain traditional last, traditional mass parishes are um, doing the same uh, specifically in Holy Week. they'll go back to the pre-55 they'll get permission to do that from the bishop. But um, both of these are really good options. Another good option for a missile would be um, the St. Andrew missile, which mm. is another one. But there's other options too. And if you're looking for a missile, sometimes you can get um, things on eBay. Like this one, I didn't actually get on eBay. This was a uh, Family Heirloom mm. that I rebound. Um, we have a video on that out also yeah. that you can check out. Um, but you could find a missile on eBay. Uh, this one, for example, is uh, a St. Joseph daily missile. These are really abundant.
0: Yeah, I have you one. Can, I have one out in my other room.
1: You can get one for like 20 bucks. You know, the one that I have is like $70 now. But yep. um, if you don't want to spend that much money, just get get another one. Get a St. Joseph missile. Those are those are good too. Or you can get a little prayer book. And sometimes the prayer books have the, the canon of mass in them which is, uh, it's good. The only thing is some of the prayer books don't have the, um, the readings of the day. Mm-hmm. Another good option too is you can download a, 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 an app for your phone and it's called...
0: This is the Lodate app, right?
1: I think you could use that. I don't use that. I use um, an okay. app called iMass and oh, yes. you have to right. pay for it, but it's actually quite good. And it breaks down all of the readings of the day it updates them uh whatever day it is and then it has all of the a- other prayers of the mass as well
0: mm. Well, so that's,
1: that's that's an option too
0: that's good and i'll just i'll just plug for kind of the free version if you just want like the readings of the day in the latin mass uh, it doesn't have the breakdown but Date app is a really really popular one um that that you can use just if you want to like essentially have the missile what's going on um without without uh kind of contained in, in a different sort of package too. Totally fine. Right. Plenty of resources out there, as you can see. Definitely. Um, Rudy, let me ask you this hypothetical. And I think it's something that we 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 kind of glossed over. We've been we've been dancing around it, but you know why Latin? You know? And for us particularly, I know that we talk about Latin in regards really to the vernacular. We don't talk about it against, say, Greek with our Byzantine brothers or something like that. But why why if someone goes okay well why not have the same sorts of things in like the, does the language matter
1: that's an excellent question and <laughs> it makes me think of um something secular um it seems to me every year our language our words have a different context in 2021 a man is not a man anymore. Mm-hmm. A woman could be a man, right? And so, it showcases how much a language can change, how much one thing can be used for one thing, and then it can be changed for something else. When we look at the Latin in used in mass, it's not Latin of a, a like common Latin. It is Latin that is ecclesial. Mm-hmm and so therefore this language is set aside for god it is a sacred language and because it is sac- it is a sacred language the meaning of the words they don't change over time because latin is a dead language and so inherently within this this language we have a, a preservation of what these realities mean they don't change with the time they don't change uh, the way that a modernist would want to change things, right? Reinterpret it into something new. Latin is a very sacred language, and that's why it's used in the church. It was one of the three languages that was nailed up on, on, on top of the crucifix, on the sign by Pontius Pilate. So uh, Latin is very important, and it should be retained. How funny! How funny is it that if you read through uh Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is the document for uh is the document for the new mass mm-hmm. or kind of laying out like I'm not sure if it's actually laying out the new mass.
0: Not the new mass, because that, that technically speaking is a se- it's the Vatican two, but it lays out it lays out the foundation of it's 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 the document for uh, on the liturgy coming out of the, Vat- uh, the Vatican II. Yeah.
1: And very plainly it says uh Latin must be retained. Mm-hmm. But it's not. If you go to any sort of <laughs> uh, regular old parish, you'll, you'll seldom ever find Latin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's funny that traditionalists get, you know, they get a lot of flack for not liking Vatican II or not adhering to it. But uh, you see that a lot of the documents aren't, <laughs> like in this particular example, you know, they're not really adhering to preserving Latin in the mass.
0: Yeah, there's this There's this desire as we've been talking about to kind of sweep the spirit of Vatican II as it's been expressed for the past 60 years under the rug and say, oh, well, we're actually really focusing it all on the letter. Uh, but I would argue that the letter <laughs> of Vatican II seems, especially on the liturgy, to point more to the retention of the Latin mass than it would the Novus Ordo. There's, there's nothing about changing the language, to the vernacular or, or, or versus popular or something like that. Um, right. What's What's significant about Latin also is that because it's it's set apart, we have seen iterations of the Mass already since the Second Vatican Council. Now, this isn't to say that the Latin Mass has never uh, experienced any sort of changes or anything, far from it. The Tridentine Mass that we most witness uh, was promulgated by, uh, by your boy, my boy, Pope Pius V, St. Pope Pius V, um, at, during Trent. And so You know, and by codification, it means that if you would have gone back to the 1500s into the 1600s, Latin masses you see now, you would be like, okay, I know exactly where we're at. But if you'd have gone back to the time of Gregory the Great, if you'd gone back to the 500s, if you'd gone back to 1000 AD, even beforehand, the the shell of the Latin mass in various different ways, but not too different would have been expressed. And so even from the t- the very beginning, you would have been like, okay, this is clearly the Mass. Um, and when it reads the dedicate, you're like, okay, cool. Like I can see what this is going to shape up to be. Um, and so... Yeah, the
1: liturgy has had a, an organic
0: growth. Organic is a huge, huge word for it, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's never been... This is the first time in the history of the Church that the Latin Rite has been changed as drastically as it mm-hmm. has been. This Bye. is a very big thing that no one ever talks about. Actually, I got this for, I have to be honest, this isn't my particular thought. Um, not an original thought that is, I agree with it, but uh, I've been, if you want another good podcast to listen to, and before you get crazy uh. about it, <laughs> I'm going to plug the SSPX. SSPX podcast has a really good series called the Crisis Series, mm-hmm. and they they lay out how uh, the mass has changed, but not also, not just the mass, but also like the way that people think, you know, the, the way that uh, a Catholic would think has changed a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they were talking about how this is the the first time ever that there has been a drastic change like this, because up until this point, the, the changes or rather the, you know, the, the things that, um, that came out of the mass changed organically. It was never something abrupt like this where there was a cold whole, whole new right
0: and you'll and you'll notice what the conversation around the changes throughout the history of the mass have always been the question has always been one of what what is what what reverence makes sense what gesture makes sense here what Saints added makes sense here so take a look at the 62 missile it's like they added Saint Joseph well mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> like you know right. it's it's far better than than gutting uh, Saints or something like that and never mind the, the many other sort of liturgical abuses and, and uh, watering downs that have entered with the new mass. And so, you know, another very important thing is this. The Catholic Church is a 2,000-year-old faith that is built on the bones of, of Judaism, which stretches back thousands of years. It, and to Abraham, and, and before Abraham, of course, it stretches back to the garden, in other words, this is, uh, you know, Christ says uh, in, I think it's in the book of Corinthians, right, that the, or uh, St. Paul's writings, of course, but the church is a pillar and foundation of the truth. Christ says to Peter, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. This is recognized as a Catholic church. Our birthday is Pentecost. I mean, there's so many different historical arguments you can make. When when I first went to Latin Mass back in high school, one thing I recognized, that very much stayed in me, and I think really helped me come over later, is when you look up at statues of the saints, or you look at Our Lady, or you hear the music or something, you are participating very radically in the tradition of the church. And there's no rupture. There's no uh, discontinuity or something. Again, I can go back to the 1500s and I'm gonna be right at home in Latin Mass. I can go back to 1000 AD and I can be at home. I can go back to 500 and I could be at home. And so what's really funny is that because of this connection, we can really understand the profundity again of what it means to actually have a communion of saints. Literally, this is the mass of the saints. This is the mass that converted millions upon millions of people in Mexico with Our Lady Guadalupe. This is the mass that converted people in Japan during the times of the Jesuit persecutions. This is the mass that converted some of, some, of the, some of the native tribes in the Huron territories where many of those great martyrs met their doom. This is the mass that converted the Nordic Vikings, the pagan Vikings. This is the mass that converted Rome. This ought not be disregarded. This dramatically connects you to St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, and St. Thomas More, and St. Therese of Lisieux, and St. Therese of the Little Flower, and so many other saints. This connects us to Pope Pius V, just as much as it connects us to Pope Pius X. This is the mass that nurtured um, St. John Paul II. I mean, there's just, there's there's an unbelievable amount of wealth and wellspring that's drawn from this. And so to kind of just suddenly shuck aside uh, 2,000 years of church history and say, well, before Vatican II this was all just the dark ages or before the new mass it was all just dark ages and nobody understood one of my, my one of my biggest pet peeves Rudy is when people go well you know nobody can understand a lot in it's incomprehensible the Christeros, That's not true the Cristeros <laughs> died for this the, the the Japanese martyrs died for this so many of our ancestors the the Roman the the, the poor um, martyrs in the catacombs died for this so you're telling me that th- that they didn't understand? You don't die for something you don't understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a sort of revisionist history to go back and even even with uh, the so-called dark ages, you know. No, well, right. They give know. them that sort of label. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, those people—they were living in the dark ages. Right. So like, what, meanwhile, right. look at look at what was really going on. It was an amazing time.
0: Mm.
1: And you're absolutely right. I mean, if these people didn't understand what they were participating in. Why why were there so many missionaries back then? Yeah. Yeah. Why was the culture so different than it is today? It's because people understood.
0: And you know, the, the church is supra cultura, right? I, I find that the church is good when it is the moral authority to the culture. The culture can listen mm-hmm. to the church or not listen to the church. You know, that's that's up to people to to choose to listen to the truth or not. Our Lord warns us about this. But the church does a great disservice to souls when it decides to try to mimic the culture because the culture is fleeting and it's pagan and it's secular and it was always trying to destroy the church. And Latin helps kind of buoy that sort of thing. Language you said changes all the time. We've gone through revisions, right? I remember growing up when we would say um, one in being with the father then it was changed of course to consubstantial with the father right now there's a huge firestorm because um priests in italy are saying for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins when the words of our lord in scripture themselves says for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins um guess what happens you can't change it in here <laughs> you can't you know Man. uh you can there are additions there are tweaks there are all this kinds of things but So many parts of Latin Mass have been set in stone because they have been proven time and time again throughout the centuries to draw people closer to Christ. That's important. That's worth taking the little bit of hubris and just going and understanding that you're not going to completely get it.
1: That's exactly right. I was thinking just that. Um, It don't go in there expecting that you're going to learn Latin.
0: Yeah.
1: It's just not, that's not the point. Mm -hmm. that really isn't the point and that's what these hand missiles are for these hand missiles have the translation of the mass um the priest isn't hand boning uh you know the mass every time he's Mm -hmm. following the rubrics and and they're in there they're in the missile yeah so if you want to understand latin you just look into your missile it's simple you know (laughs)
0: I think when we understand the, the, the roots of the Latin Mass, I, it doesn't surprise me that, generally speaking, people who have really allowed God to work with uh, with them through the Latin Mass, it, it, like, I, you know, I want to talk about dress, you know, and modesty and these or those kind of virtues that, you know, for a lot of Catholics are completely foreign. And I think that there's a sense of what we're supposed to do. It's funny like, because I think that I've I've brought people who aren't even Catholic to Latin mass and they instinctively know, OK, well, I got to dress up like this is like this is like church on steroids. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. If what's going on is even a modicum of what's supposed to be going on, why wouldn't you feel like it's time for a dress? and It's time for a tie and it's time for a veil, which is really exciting to see a comeback on Um and meanwhile, I think that there's this mentality that's taken over, um, in the Novus order, especially where it's like, "Well, come as you are, and we'll we'll take you as is," without understanding really radically what Christ is calling us to do in that sort of instance. Um, you know, if we the parable of the wedding garment, I think that you talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago, right? And how, uh, you know, how is it that that the the guest without the wedding garment is thrown out like that? doesn't seem very kind of Jesus seems a little judgmental well the context is everything and the fact of the matter is that you know he stands condemned he should he knew better he knew it was a wedding and yet he still chose to attend as he did and when he was asked to answer for why he has this he didn't say anything because he couldn't and um you know I feel like with right. a lot of the,
1: the context of that was um he died without sacramental grace yeah yeah but I think it's still a good analogy because, after, after all of what we said, we are participating in a very, um, a divine mystery. We are before Christ, the mm-hmm. King, and I know that there's a, a disconnect also on the uh, on the kingship of Christ, mm-hmm. social kingship of Christ. Um, but you don't go into. You don't go into the palace with just rags. Yeah. And that's the thing about the Latin Mass. It, it really gives you the context, right? Like, oh, this is different. And and I should be doing things differently. If I'm I'm really gonna be in front of the king, I'm gonna wear a tie. Mm-hmm. You always you always looked really good for the for the Sunday Mass. You come <laughs> in with your three piece suit, hey. and that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's cool to see that it's cool to see that because you don't see that anymore mm-hmm. um like when was the last time that you went to an event where you could wear through bc like, right
0: right right never. yeah
1: You're
0: right and that's the thing it's like again if we chase the culture we'll adopt the worst of the culture so the culture tells us that uh tights and yoga pants are perfectly acceptable forms of clothing for women They tell us that shorts, basketball shorts, you know, those ones that are a little bit above the knee and T-shirts are perfectly acceptable for men. And what's funny is that we are a culture, because we've lost our great sense of religiosity, we've naturally lost our great sense of tradition and the weight of our actions. So we don't dress up for dates. We don't dress up for work. We don't dress up for mass. We don't dress up for anything. In fact, actually, things are flipped sometimes. Sometimes you dress up for work and then you dress down for your dates and for mass and for these sorts of things. And this is the most, mass is the most important thing in our life. Jesus is the most important thing in in our life. This is the highest form of worship that we can offer him. If we're going to meet a king and we have the ability to to dress reverently and nicely for the king, we ought to do it. If we are going on a date, the first date with a beautiful woman, a beautiful highborn lady, you don't show up in your shorts. (laughs) Um, She's going to show up with a medieval cone hat.
1: Yo, those with, those
0: with the braids, like all wrapped tightly around the inside, <laughs> like Princess Leia. <laughs> um, you
1: know, if that freaks you out, uh, not the cone, not the cone. Right, hat. Well, I mean,
0: sure. it is
1: it is expensive to get a suit, but I, I will tell you, uh, and Jordan, you're the you're the one who turned me on to this, actually, is uh, go to a thrift store.
0: Yeah. Are you OK, so you I'm going to have a
1: really good suit for mm-hmm. like twenty
0: dollars. I was at, Jen and I were at Goodwill the other day. My, actually, I'm going to give a great spoiler to our listeners. I hope that you, I hope you're listening. Literally, all my nice clothes, as well as probably 80% of my current wardrobe is Goodwill. The other 20 cents, you know? And so, you know, the myth of, one thing that's so interesting, Rudy, if you watch video footage or photography from a century ago, do you notice how well-dressed our ancestors were, our our great-grandparents were? I mean, yeah. You, you obviously like some like poverty existed and there were, there were, there was income inequality and all this other kind of stuff, but people looked nice and regimented and good. They're wearing their suits out to watch Babe Ruth at bat for heaven's sake. So this, there's this myth that old oh, nice clothes are unaffordable and I can't do this. And I don't know where to start. I think it'll be good. Maybe we'll make a video at one point, just like telling guys, especially like, look, this is how you dress up because I think a lot of that's really lost in the culture. Um, but yeah, it's just so important. It's it's easy to get something simple. Look, even if you just need to do the slacks and the collar shirt to start, you know, it's easy to get a suit jacket. By the way, it's not rocket science. Any goodwill, any thrift shop, any Salvation Army will have this stuff in plenty. You get Rudy. You're you you had a beautiful. You have a beautiful navy suit, right? That was $100 at H&M, a hundred dollars at H and a three piece, right? Uh,
1: I don't remember. Oh shoot. That was uh, well, good. I. I thrifted a blue suit. A three okay. Piece suit.
0: I just remember that you showed up one day in this beautiful blue suit. And I was like, dang, dang.
1: And yeah, that's the one I found at
0: Goodwill. Yo, that's right. Okay. I'm blue sorry. Blue that's suit. right. That was a Goodwill. Oh, Oh, Ooh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Once you, once you figure out, you measure yourself, and you know, your sizing and everything, mm-hmm. you go in there and you just look through the racks. Yeah. And you say, okay, I'm a 40 regular. Mm. Um, when it comes to my jacket. So I look for a 40 R. Right. And, uh, if I find something that's nice, I haven't done it in a while because I, you know, I have three suits. I don't really need anymore. So right. yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite easy. And, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, a lot of people are turned off of, uh, dressing nicely, but there, there really is no excuse. Like <laughs> if you could find it cheaply, um, do a little research.
0: I just it's think fine. I I think again like it's it's something it's like talking before and after mass you know and that's an oh my gosh yeah. we've talked we've talked about science a little bit but man one thing that's really nice about the Latin mass is instinctively people shut the heck up before mass in the sanctuary right. I and yeah. and this is this is an older generation thing I didn't know if you've ever noticed this but I've been to masses where like people are talking loudly not Latin masses of course. And when I was little, I was a teenager and I was like, why are people talking? Like my dad drilled into me, listen, you're in the presence of the tabernacle. You're in the presence That's of our Lord. You don't talk. And I would turn yeah. around and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not the teenagers who are doing this. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's, uh, the old timers. Yeah. Oh, how are you doing today? Oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. And you're like, oh my gosh, please grandma, don't. Not my grandma. <laughs> Grandma's a saint. Um, but you know, I, again, like I think that the introduction of silence again, and for some people, it might be actually kind of uncomfortable, especially if you're sitting through a low mass and you're like, oh, my gosh, why isn't anything happening? Well, something is happening. And that's that's grace being invited onto your soul and really serene peace, you know? There's something about like the weekday low mass f- I know that just, that, you know, in, in a lot of cases, sometimes it's even more fulfilling than a high mass just because there is like that time to really sit and be with our Lord in this w- robust silence so yeah it's a time of recollection Mm -hmm.
1: for sure okay so so you're there you're in your three-piece suit or if you're a a lady you're in your your nice um, yeah modest length dress Mm -hmm. uh under your knees under your knees um and you're lost you're like oh this is my first time here my my second time third time i have my missile that i purchased on ebay what do you do how do you follow along, Jordy?
0: Whew. Okay, so I'm going to use my missile a little bit. <laughs> um, and by the way, again, I would emphasize that you... So if this is the scenario where you bought a missile, cool. If you just want to use those missileettes, I think those are a little easier. So before you just like go whole hog and buy a missile, use the missileette or use one of like the Campion missile gray books because those pictures are on point. Rudy, I don't know if your missiles have pictures in them. Mine don't. It does, yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Dang it, Baronius. Nah, I'm just kidding. So yeah, there's... it's got kind of like,
1: I'm, I'm holding it up. It's just like little illustrations of what the priest oh, and the cool. server's doing. Yeah. Kind of gives oh. you context clues as to where where they are at the mass.
0: Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. So I'm just going to turn to like a random thing, but usually, generally speaking, there are really two places in your missile you'll flip through. So, first off, really just open up the first couple pages of your missile and just scroll through, just get a sense for things. And then really utilize the, 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 um, the ribbons. Yeah, precisely. Just utilize them. They, they will save your life. So for the sure. first part is actually opening up to mass itself. This is oftentimes in the middle of a missile. Um, you know, and I know it's going to be difficult for some of you to see, but, uh, you know, one mass, the Catechumens, and it begins right at the prayers at the foot of the altar. And it tells you in in missiles what they are. They're prayers of humility, love, desire, contrition, and confidence. The sign of the cross, boom. In my missile, it tells me, it gives me context of what the priest is doing. For instance, um, here under the sign of the cross, it says, the priest makes uh, 52 times during the mass the sign of the cross, the summary and emblem of the blood, bloody sacrifice of the cross, which the mass represents and renews. So that's profoundly helpful. And then we get probably one of my favorite things in the mass, which is the intro evil Altare day. Uh, I will go to the evil altar. At day. Mm-hmm. A dayam the all that kind of stuff. So that usually is in the center of your missile for the mass. Now there is something called the propers, and the propers are the readings of the day, the introit, the collect, the the communion. Uh, Tract, the uh, the post-communion. And so you'll often see they'll have like a header. I've just turned randomly to in the octave of Easter in Eastertide. Um, and so you'll oftentimes before Mass just be, okay, what day am I on? Is this a weekday? Is this a Sunday? Is this the – we're coming up on the seventh Sunday of Lent – or not Lent, of Easter.
1: Uh, Could be the feast of a particular yeah. saint mm-hmm. or
0: whatever. And oftentimes there'll be like a little – kind of blurb especially if it's like the feast of a saint usually you'll get yep that's that's great rudy yeah perfect perfect so you can see with rudy's you know there's the post communion there's the introit. you can see down there that's a fifth uh is that the fourth sunday after easter what's yeah that's from that right. one. cool fourth sunday it after easter here. right and that's the introit. and what's the introit? you will literally hear the 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 if you're at a high mass you'll hear the choir uh chant it uh often you know and uh you know, here we have like, you know, you see the epistle, you'll see the gospel. So that's everything. So that's usually where you'll spend a lot of your time. I'm not really much anymore of a missile flipper. So if you really want to follow along in the mass, um, you know, you'll be flipping back and forth a little bit between the propers and the, the, the mass itself will tell you, okay, this is when the priest is going to be reading this. This is when the priest is going to be, this is now the epistle. This is now the gospel. We stand for the gospel and do this for the gospel. Um, yep. But otherwise than that, like sometimes, like I just like to be glued to the propers because there's a lot of things a priest has to go through and pray through through mm-hmm. Latin mass. Like there's a lot of flipping that he has to do. God bless him, and he knows it all by heart. So <laughs> that's
1: where that's, the, that's where the ribbons come in handy. I mean, that's where the ribbons the, come handy. Like in mine, I, I fold mine in. Let me see. What I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, itzy, nice. Just uh,
1: get it to focus. That would be great. Anyway, I only have two ribbons out at one time,
0: and then I mm. fold the one the other ones in
1: so it's typically you're going to be flipping between two locations just like jordan said
0: yeah um and that's it you know and it's if you're lost it's okay find the next major beat um you know i think for a lot of people sometimes um it's easy to get lost during the entirety of the consecration oh my gosh we've just gotten Mm -hmm. done with the sanctus and i have no idea when we're coming okay well when's the next thing you need to know well you probably need to know when the the bread and the wine become the body and blood flip there wait a second because your priest may say mass faster he may say mass slower um it's all valid there are
1: context cues though if you notice in some of the some of the missiles most of them will say here the bell is rung once
0: yes yes yes
1: and that's a context clue that uh you know the priest is praying for a particular thing and you mm-hmm. can turn to that part of your missile um the part in the the canon of the mass where you could see what he's praying for mm-hmm that's
0: right context use are really important actually that's that's a really good point you'll you'll get it you'll get the sense of how the mass flows you actually might end up paying attention really steadily to your nervous order because you'll discover that obviously so many of those beats in the in the big sense are the same okay so i know the priest is going to stand here and he's going to go over and kiss the altar and he's going to grab the gospel and he's going to go over there okay i get this now i I get this is where he's going to read the prayers here uh before we start on the the epistle reading or something and so if you're lost don't worry context is everything there are there's plenty of signs very regimented signs that the priest or the servers will do or say that'll let you know okay clearly we're right here um yeah enjoy it (laughs) it's easier at a
1: low mass because the uh the servers you know giving you a lot of context as to where
0: you are Mm -hmm. would you recommend Um... a high mass or low mass first rudy
1: are we talking about let's let's get some more context
0: here Ooh, context
1: month is it a weekday well i guess it doesn't matter never this mind is, this is this is
0: baby's first latin mass if you baby's were like-
1: first latin mass i think you should go to if possible a solemn high mass yo mm-hmm. with all of the bells all of the whistles all of the features and it's gonna blow you away so long as you're not distracted anything. with yourself, stumbling over yourself, like, mm-hmm. oh, I need to know what this prayer, I need to know everything. This is a great moment for you to practice surrendering yourself to God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surrendering yourself to this mm-hmm. sublime moment of of the mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that is is gonna unite you to all of the saints like you said unite you to that holy sacrifice it's going to unite you to all of your ancestors who mm-hmm. lived and died in in the holy catholic church it's an amazing thing so surrender yourself to that moment if you get lost don't worry about it no there's always next sunday the next mass whatever
0: <laughs> and you got to go anyway so you might as well right yeah <laughs> um maybe it's a closing kind of thing rudy um what do you know of any sort of people who are new to the Latin Mass? Are there any resources, whether in book form or online or anything that you would kind of recommend besides our channel, of course, which is so wonderful and brilliant about this thing, naturally?
1: Um, to follow along, I know that there's some really good videos uh, more in depth about the missile uh, Taylor Marshall has done. What mm-hmm. um, What else? there was uh if you're interested in sacred music and the music choice um we had a, a really cool guest on a while back uh jeff ostrowski he has a really awesome website called cc watershed mm. um what's another one father z's blog is really cool um blog's great he's kind of a glad trad <laughs> yeah. he's kind of like a yeah. kind of happy guy happy so. warrior, yeah I recommend that for sure mm-hmm. If you want to know more about uh, the mass, like I mentioned, um, the SSPX podcast has a really good series going on right now. And they update, I think every two weeks or so, mm-hmm. uh, really awesome, uh, podcasts. I, I know some, some listeners, um, don't like the SSPX, but, uh, in either case, it's a really good podcast.
0: Yeah. What about you?
1: Do you have no, any that you would recommend?
0: Yeah, that's so much of it. If you really kind of want to explore what's going on with Latin Mass in particular, I would always recommend Liturgy Guy. I think it's liturgyguy.com or .org. If you just Google Liturgy Guy, you'll get it. Um, I, I'm very fond of his blog in particular. um You know, I'll I'll. You said with Taylor Marshall's missile videos. Taylor Marshall has a couple of good videos. I don't know if he's with. It's on his channel. Uh, I don't know if he's still with timothy gordon with these videos or not but they are kind of like these general overviews of the latin math if i remember correctly if you honestly i i wish i remember there is this video it's very long but it's very good this step by step through the latin Mass. it's like a it's like a large part series um that's extraordinary well um yeah there's just so many things and you can't go wrong with it but my advice honestly is is don't prepare as much because you'll get the hang of it. Just go for heaven's sake. If there is a fraternity Institute of Christ, the King society, of Pius the 10th uh, Institute of the good shepherd diocesan. I don't care what the heck it is. You can go. Check. Don't go to a society of Pius the fifth. Oh my gosh. Last little thing. Don't do it. Uh, don't go too far. <laughs> yeah. Those are, um, those are, those are, those are full on setties. So don't do that.
1: <laughs> you reminded me of something. Uh, there's also a really good video. It's in black and white. I'm sure we could put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Fulton Sheen
0: I knew which one yeah yeah
1: and uh, if you go on YouTube you can you can find this video it's Fulton Sheen narrating what the what the mass is
0: yeah yeah
1: and it's this beautiful black and white video of a solemn high mass and just uh, Fulton Sheen giving you a narration of what's mm-hmm. going on in the context of whatever prayer is and that Sort of thing. He has a lot of information in that video. I think it's about an hour long. So if you have time, it's a good date idea. If you, yeah. you know, if you're dating somebody, <laughs> just get together and, and watch this. You uh, can find out a, a nice lot about it. And...
0: You can probably find a lot about uh, a lot out about your significant other if she will stay with you for your hour long exegesis from Fulton J. Sheen on Latin Mass. <laughs> She'll be like, "Oh my gosh, she's awesome." We'll be like, "Oh, I'm never now this guy. Yeah. Ew, I can't give way up. I sing to the mountains, sing to the seas." <laughs> uh, <laughs> No. Those are are good resources. Uh, We've
1: given you a lot of homework.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. And really, just like, you know, again, it's all about conforming our lives to Christ. It's about conforming ourselves to the Mass, the Mass of the Ages, the Ursus Antiquior. Uh, And, you know, and, you know, we, Rudy, I I remember something you said earlier, and that's that you do not like to say extraordinary form because this is really just the historical, (laughs) ordinary form. So I like that a lot. So I just say, I'll just just try to say traditional Latin Mass from now on. Um, but <laughs> if you hear it as the extraordinary form, it's okay. Get to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. One more resource. I'm sorry. Uh, no, if nice. you're looking for a Latin mass, uh, you can go to LatinMassFinder.org. I yes.
0: think plug that plug that. Yes.
1: Latin mass finder. Let's see. I think it's.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has changed to Latin mass D I R for a uh, directory, directory. Latin mass uh, org. And this website has all of the Latin masses. It says here in the United States, France, Great Britain, Italy, Mm -hmm. Poland, Austria, Brazil, Canada, Germany. View all countries. So there's more. I know a lot of our listeners are based in the United States, but um, actually the United States has the most venues, 655. Um, So, yeah, you can plug in all kinds of details here as to where you are your location and you can filter it if you want to include certain churches or not Mm -hmm. um that's an awesome resource um and really if you can't find one near you but there's one that's an hour away maybe it's time i think god is calling you perhaps Mm -hmm. that uh you're called to to drive that hour every sunday yeah to participate in a holy mass in a reverent mass and um that may just be a cross for you mm-hmm. i know a lot of people here at saint vitus and a lot of latin mass parishes you notice that there are a lot of travelers yeah travel hours to
0: get there. one two three hours
1: yeah some to the extreme <laughs> yeah we're not extreme. exaggerating some yeah. people
0: travel that far mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh
1: yeah those are good resources
0: that's great that's absolutely great um wonderful well thank you everybody for listening and for watching if you liked what you heard and we know that you did please do a couple of things go ahead and hit that like and comment subscribe hit the notification bell so you can be updated every time rudy and i want to show our beautiful faces uh if you really liked what you uh what we said and want to support us more now we have a patreon opened up so that'll be down in the show notes too go ahead and click check out the perks give money please give money please <laughs> we want to uh, we're just we're just trying to become a, a hot enough commodity to where word of fire is going to buy us out then we're gonna go totally soft so (laughs) just kidding
1: your face i can't do that
0: (laughs) oh forbid it i know no 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 i'd be like all right listen there's gonna be some major changes if this is gonna happen
1: (laughs) i think that's how i would know
0: that you've been replaced by a robot Uh uh-huh well, like we, do, we do have Bishop Barron's Mondatum. Do you remember? <laughs> 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 yeah, but again, yeah, check out the Patreon. We're, we're just getting it started. We're getting it off the ground. Thank you so much for everybody who has can helped. Subscribe to the channel. Getting over 600 is a hallmark. We're so close to 1,000. Before you know it, we'll get there, and that's when we can really have some fun on this place before YouTube kicks us off. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> before the eye of Sauron. That's right. Before focuses Susan on Wajitski the herself. <laughs> podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Great guys. Well, everybody, take care. God bless you, and may I keep you. We'll see you on the next one. Adios. See you later. <laughs>